Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Panos Mariri Show. I am one of your hosts, Tassos Kirkos. We got Panos and Raven here. Um, Panos is a little under the weather, so uh, I'll be carrying the load today, but we still have him on. Um, flu game, Panos? Yeah, flu game, exactly. Uh, Raven, appreciate you coming early. Um, of course, of course. Lovely Friday here in Chicago. How's how's it going there in Windsor? What's the what's it looking like? Is it cold yet? Is it No, actually I wish it would get colder. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to get it to the negatives and snowy so we can skate on the frozen ponds here. But um it's still like it's only like I know you guys use Fahrenheit, but it's nine Celsius here. So uh, okay. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit at all. But... I believe around like fifty or sixty degrees between there. Yeah. That's pretty nice. So it's not too bad. No. It, it feels like it's like fall still, which kind of sucks. But are you like a guy that will go skate on an outdoor rink? Oh yeah, I love skating on outdoor rinks, bro. That's like the purest form of hockey and skating. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I just know that it's not like a total. Not every hockey player will go skate outside. You know, even like people as they get older too. You know, like they won't really see it as like even something to do. Um, there are rinks here. There are a good amount of outdoor rinks in Chicago. You'll definitely fly. There's like two in the city, I think. And then um, there's a couple like surrounding the Chicagoland area. A lot of the skating there. A lot of them are like commercialized, right? Because we're in the city. Is this so, the one downtown like Grant? Uh, yeah, you're not playing Park? hockey. On yeah, there. no. Like, I mean, I think you can if you schedule it and like they do have times available for games but if you're just trying to go play like pickup hockey yeah you're not going there but it is yeah no i I prefer the ponds like i have a pond right near my house and when it gets like to the negative weathers like it freezes over and you can skate on it so oh, that's what i prefer. you trust that yeah, i do i skated on it many times i don't like put a net on there and should i just get a stick and puck and start you know stick handling a bit on there it's it's fun true True. So uh, we have three games on tap tonight in the NHL, um, 12 on Saturday, 8 on Sunday. So a nice weekend of hockey. We've had a good week so far. Um, there's been uh, quite a few games. I think it starts with the LA Kings going, setting an NHL record, 11-0 on the road. They beat the Montreal Canadiens 4-0. They'll uh, take on the New York Islanders on Saturday and the New York Rangers on Sunday. Um, do you have a few words, Panos, on this Kings streak that we're seeing to open the season? I know we talked a little bit about the Kings earlier in the week, um, but just your thoughts on this record and um, what the Kings have been putting together so far early on. Yeah, we did we did talk about it last week too, but it is crazy. Like 11 wins on the road to start the year, especially because of how hard it is to win on the road, I feel like, um, because, you know, you're in a different environment every day when you're on the road. Um and they've done some crazy wins while on the road too. Like against Columbus the other day, they were down. Uh, was it three nothing? They were down. Yeah. In the third period. Yeah. And they ended up winning at four three. I know it's Columbus, that, but that that's is- a Columbus thing. I think that did we talk about this already? That the biggest betting option that you have to hit right now is anytime Columbus is winning in the third period, you have to bet on them to lose. <laughs> like we did not talk about that, but that actually is funny. <laughs> no, I, I think that's like you have to make that bet. They lose every time they're winning in the third period. Yeah. Columbus Columbus is bad. But anyways. Um, Cam had a shutout yesterday. That was awesome. And, and Byfield had three points. So yeah, we cool. talked about Quentin Byfield having a breakout game on Sunday, on Monday. And then yeah. 
I think now here we are again. Like, he pots another two goals. He just looks so big and strong out there, you know? I, I've heard a lot about his skating. He was working with Barb Underhill, and now he's not so hunched over anymore. His, like, he's just more upright, and, um, you know, like, you can see it. Like, he, he's a big dude, and he's able to use that size more to be uh, physically intimidating. So we'll see how that streak carries up. I honestly think they could make it 13 in a row. Um I know the Islanders and Rangers have both put together some impressive performances. Uh, the Islanders beat up on Columbus 7-3 yesterday. Um, so they're looking a little better. Um, but we'll, we'll see about the Kings. I think it's a great streak they've put together. The other thing we saw Thursday night was Patrick Kane make his debut with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, played just over 16 minutes. They lost to the San Jose Sharks 6-5 after being up 4-0 in the second period. And... Let, I, I, okay, so we mentioned uh, Los Angeles coming back against the Blue Jackets 3-0. Um, we've seen quite a few teams do that over the last, like this week, that was kind of a theme of this week was large goal comebacks. Um, I don't know if it's a lack of defensive play early on in the season, like a lack of true uh, defined structure, right, for a full 60 minutes. We know that's a hard thing to do. Um, what do you what do you attribute all these comebacks to? I just think the NHL is like built for scoring nowadays too, because it's easier to market scoring than it is defense. Um, like back a few years, not a few years ago, like maybe a decade ago, Jamie Ben led the NHL in points with like what eighty six points. Yeah, so that's not going to get you, you know, marketability. So now that's why I think a lot of these comebacks and crazy games with a bunch of goals happen is because it's. It's easier for the NHL to market. So they always kind of strategize it like towards scores, you know, even with like goal every year, it seems like they make the goalie equipment smaller. Um, Every year also uh, they call more penalties. You know, we always hear in the preseason that they're like, we're going to start calling this and this and this, this season. So I feel like that's, a, I don't know if that was the, uh, the thing that happened in San Jose, Detroit. Um, but that's just what happens a lot of the time in general. Um, and honestly, that's that, that's kind of the opposite of what happened in San Jose, Detroit, because San Jose scored two shorthanded goals in the same penalty kill, which was kind of funny. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just think I just think the league is centered towards scoring more now just because it's much easier to, to market that. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen a few more penalties called this year, right? Um, just, I mean, things that we would call ticky-tack normally. Um there was uh, there was a call in the San Jose Washington Capitals game. It was actually the the call in overtime, I think. Um, but it you know just some some stuff where you know you're calling a guy for interference even, and it's just like a light, you know, like a light push on the shoulder of the hand, and yeah. you know the guy like he falls, and maybe we're that's his own thing, but. You know, I, I don't know that it's exactly um, what we want to see. Like, I, I don't know. Do you want to see more, like, multiple goal comebacks? Like, do you think it – do you genuinely think it makes the game exciting? Or, you know, like, is – I know it's all the natural flow of hockey, right? But if we're calling games so that certain narratives are almost creative created, um, is that almost doing too much? I mean, I love offense, so I'm never going to complain about a bunch of goals. I'll, give me a second. The train by my house is coming by here. Oh, you're <laughs> we'll good. Breaking it away through the talk. 
All right. So, um, I love goals, so I'm never going to complain about more goals. Oh, and now my dog's barking. <laughs> That's all right. This is okay. So, I'm never going to complain about more goals. I love goals, but um, I do not like the penalties that are called sometimes just because I think it makes the game a little weaker. That being said, for me personally, I prefer more goals in the regular season and tighter games in the postseason. That's just how I, I like it. And that's why everyone loves postseason hockey is because it's like always close, tight check and like low scoring games, I feel like. Um, and then you have the occasional high scoring one. So um, the Philadelphia Flyers beat the Arizona Coyotes 4-1 last night. Um the Flyers currently sit second in the Metropolitan Division. If we look at the standings on a Friday morning going into this weekend, um, the Rangers currently lead the Metro. The Islanders are currently in the third spot. Um, I feel like we've been saying and a lot of people have been saying that eventually the wheels are going to fall off this thing for Philly. Um, but they just keep on putting together solid efforts. And every night that they win, it's not... Like, it's always just, like, a different group of guys stepping up. Last night it was, like, Travis Konechny, and some nights it's been Tyson Forrester, and some nights it's been Carter Hart, and others it's been Samuel Erson. Um, uh, what do you have to think about what the Flyers are currently doing and what they've been doing and what they could be doing in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I was going to say, like, it doesn't seem like they're winning a lot of their games against playoff teams, but like they beat Arizona. Okay. They beat Pittsburgh twice. That's two. Those are all non playoff teams, but those are all teams that are in the wild card race. Those they are big beat games. The yeah. They beat the Islanders in a one nothing shootout. You beat the Islanders at, at their own game of a low scoring one nothing affair. Yeah. Um, they beat Columbus. But then before that, even back middle of November, they went on a three game winning streak four-game winning streak, but three games against playoff teams and, honestly, contenders, L.A., Carolina, and Vegas. They beat all those teams. So, I mean, Philly does look legit. It's not like you can discredit them by saying they're beating the weaker competition because they've beaten teams that are genuine contenders too. Uh, and, honestly, they're just a weird team because I can't pinpoint what's their success. Like, Carter Hart's been good, but he hasn't been, like, a 930 goaltender carrying them either. It's just been that they're a genuinely good team, like, Konechny's scoring. Couturier is like a Selkie level forward again. Um, Sandheim has been a top 10, 12 defenseman in the league this season. So they've just been good, genuinely good. Um, so I think that they are looking to move some pieces, right? They have uh, Sean Walker that he's been okay. Right? He, he's he been a good fit in Philadelphia. I could see him being a player that gets moved at the deadline and maybe resigns back in the place that traded him. Um, they have Nick but do, C they tra do they trade anybody if they're still second place by the deadline? That's what I'm saying. Um, I think it depends on the, the desperation of some other teams, right? Because the other name I've heard out of Philly, Philly being uh, Nick Sealer, right? So those are, I mean, they're, they're different players. Sealer is a bit uh, rougher and a bit tougher, and I think um, so those go for different prices, right? Uh, Sean Walker may garner a better price for the Flyers if they look to move him, whereas Nick Sealer might actually impact the team he's getting more, in my opinion, um, just on the physicality side of things come playoff time. Um, 
that being said, I, I do think that they would look to move those pieces anyways. I, um, you know, much to the chagrin of John Tortorella, but I think they they would definitely do it. Um, it it's it's tough, right? Because you got to like stick with the plan a little bit, and I think that now that you have Danny Breer in there and Keith Jones running things in Philly, like. Yes, those guys want to win probably really badly, um, but I think those two will also be able to have a objective look at things and kind of be like, you know, this is a bit ahead of our expected winning cycle as far as things. Like, keep in mind, this is the team that did draft Matt Vieh Mitchkov, and we're like, yeah, we're we're cool not getting this kid for three years, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I think they I think they would look to move him, especially like I mentioned earlier. Like, you never know; they could go out and try and re-sign Sean Walker again uh, next July. Um, so, I I don't know. I also um, I also don't know that. Like, I also think that there's not a lot on the board right now. Like, I know we've talked a good bit about Cal- Calgary trying to move on from some pieces. But, you know, the more that time goes on, I also think that those deals are deals that aren't going to happen until later in the season anyways. And same with these Flyers deals. Maybe those don't happen until closer to the deadline if they do. Um, but um, there's just not a lot out on the market right now. So I think anything that's even, like, half available right now, like, there's going to be... There's going to be calls received, right? Because people are talking about it. Like, Sean Walker is definitely being called about, I think, right? Um, yeah, I can see that, too. Even though Especially when yeah. they picked him up. He was, like a, he was like a cap dump when they picked him up, you know? So, I think if Philly can get something for Sean Walker when they basically were paid to take him on, it's a plus. I, I could see that. Yeah, exactly. It's just it would have to be worth it for them, right? Like, they're not going to take a third-round pick for Sean Walker right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I was even, um, I can look this up too, but I, w- I didn't have this on our list, but uh, same kind of player was Peter Mrazek. The Leafs paid a first-round pick to the Blackhawks to take on Peter Mrazek, and he had a shutout last night. And I, I was, uh, I was you know, in the watching hockey last night, uh, Peter Mrazek put up a one nothing shutout over the Ducks, and um, they were the Ducks for like large stretches of that game were really outplaying the Hawks. And um, no, I'm not saying Peter Mrazek is like a world beating goaltender anymore. Um, but if you're a team looking for some goaltending depth and the Haw- like the Hawks, you know, like watching that team really, truly, there are going to be pieces that you've got to move if you're the Hawks, right? Like guys and that the are. Funny thing, the funny thing here for me. Is that honestly three of the four other teams that Peter Morazic has played for in his career before Chicago are teams that kind of need a goaltender right now? That's what that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like Toronto, Toronto, Joseph Wall just went down yesterday, and now they're stuck with Samsonov and uh, Martin Jones. Imagine Peter Morazic going back to Toronto, or like uh, Detroit too. Billy Huso just blew a 200 goal lead against San Jose yesterday. You know. Yeah, that was not that was not good. Um, <laughs> All those teams could use a goalie now, so it'd be really funny if the teams that basically banished him because of his play there are now trying to get him back. Because Carolina being the other one too. Yeah, that that's the last one because the only one I was saying that didn't really need a goalie was Philly. Yeah, um, yeah. I think with those teams, I think Toronto will probably stick with uh, Samson Ivan Jones, right? I think they kind of have to. Um, yeah, they, they're forced to, but it would just be funny to me if they're just like, you know what? 
Let's go for Mrazek, even though we gave up a first-round pick to get rid of him. All these Leafs injuries, like, I don't think the the Joe Wall injury, obviously, is, like, the front page of Sportsnet today. But um, they, it's, I don't think it's going to be that long-term where they look to go get help otherwise. I think in Detroit, Alex Lyon is looking fine enough, at least, that... Do you want to risk? Do you want to risk Alex Lyon being your goalie when you're Detroit and you're second in the Atlantic right now? At least for a month, you could. At least for at least for the next month, you could like run with it. Because keep in mind, the NHL uh, trade freeze is coming soon. It's in, it's in like a week True. or so. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I feel like if anything's gonna happen, obviously it has to happen in the next like week. So yeah. Um, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. Uh, Carolina though is maybe a team that is looking at this next guy that, speaking of goaltenders, that uh, could be on the move or uh, potentially want to be on the move, John Gibson in Anaheim. Um, He's played pretty well this season. He's been a goalie that's faced just a ton of shots over um, his last couple of seasons. Uh, Like, the Ducks give up a lot of chances. They bleed a lot of chances. Um, And sometimes that has skewed his numbers a little bit to maybe being less than he is. But time passes by quickly. And I remember John Gibson as like, you know, world junior hero and stud Ducks prospect and future best goalie in hockey, you know, right? Like that was uh, that was kind of the that was kind of the talk about John Gibson for a long time. And not to say he's like, you know, like the the. The care the the drop. No, I don't want to say he's over the hill. I'm just trying to be like be nice and say that he's not like because I don't believe he is either. I think he's thir- what well, 32 years old. Like, do you do you think John Gibson's over the hill? Like, he's could not he... 32. Is he actually 32? Uh, let's. If he's 32. We... I'm gonna go nuts. If he's 32 years old, I'm actually gonna lose my mind. Are you looking it up? Yeah. I am. Jamie Ben also had 87 points when he's he won the 30. Okay. Oh, he's 30. He's 30. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you were scaring me a little bit with the 32 talk. Okay, there. I you know, but is it like an older 32 or an older 30? Did he No, I think I think no, he's like uh turning 30 in the he's turning 31 in July. So oh, he's like Okay, all right, all right. Uh so I think he, I don't think he's over the hill. I think he just kind of genuinely got dealt a bad hand with Anaheim. He he came in, they were really, really good cup contenders for the first few years of his career. And then now they've been in like a rebuild since what, 20, 2018 now? Yeah, 2018, 2019. Yeah. So it's he's just got dealt a bad hand where he's really kind of stuck with the Ducks for so long because he's like, this is our future guy. You can't trade him. And then, you know, it's been like five years, six years now. And now he's not the future anymore. Um, and they're still in a rebuild. So I honestly was always hoping he'd be a Penguin just because he's from Pittsburgh. He grew up a Penguins fan and... They needed a goaltender uh, back a few years ago when Jari was not really doing it. But now they've signed him. So now I think the next option for John Gibson, I don't think Detroit gets him just because of all the money they have tied up in people. I think like New Jersey would be a a team that could go after John Gibson um, just because they have the assets to do it. Um, They have the money that would be able to be dumped with some of these contracts they would get rid of. And because Kira Schmidt and also Vitek Vanacek are both what backups at best or one B's? Yeah, are, are you asking me? I mean, Schmidt, yeah. Schmidt, uh, 
he played well yesterday against uh, Seattle. I know Seattle's not a team that creates like the the greatest of grade A looks, but um, he he did play well yesterday against Kraken, and um, I don't know that like the, it's all about when the flashes of brilliance show themselves. And you're right, I don't know that. Like, Vitek Vanacek is very solid. Like, he's very dependable. I think he's, you know, for what he is. Like, I don't think... I think the expectation for Vitek Vanacek to be more than he is at times is a little bit overbearing of expectations, right? And uh, with Akira Schmid, I just think he's a bit inexperienced, right? He may have a higher ceiling um, to play at, like, a higher level of brilliance, right? Like, we've seen some really good games out of Akira Schmid, which is why they've kept him around. Um, and But I just think, like, you know, with the with a younger goaltender like that, like the lows are low and the highs are really high. And um, so uh, the other team... And like, one thing I want to point in about Akira Schmid before we move on is that he's got, he's got more games below a 7.07 than he has above a 9.40 this season. This season? Yeah. That's... With, which is like, you know, you don't want your goalie to have more games at a 707 than a 940. Do you have his stats pulled up right now? I do, yeah. How many his overall stats don't look bad? How many career games has he played and how many of them have come this season? Cuz he played last season, but I don't remember him being like the the yeah, backup so last season. He's played 35 games in his career and 11 of them were this season. So he started being the backup last year, which is when everyone thought he was going to be really good cuz he had a 922 in those games and okay. those 18 and then this year now he has played eleven games and he's at a nine oh two. Um, I think he has a negative goal save to expected. Um, and like I just said, he has more games below a seven oh seven than above a nine forty. Hmm. In one of his games this season, he had a six twenty five, um, and that was him playing the full game, if I'm not mistaken. What do you um, see the What do you see the package being in a John Gibson deal? Right. Like it, it, let's say my other the other team I was going to throw out there for John Gibson was the other team we talked about earlier with Peter Mrazek is Carolina. Um, they're they're really struggling in that. They that Oilers game was tough. That Oilers game was really tough on them. Uh, Kachekov getting pulled in the first like five minutes of the game and Auntie Ranta being left hung out to dry. And the the, uh, the what was it? The Rod Brendamore interview was pretty wild and. Um. Yeah, I just um. Wh- what do you think a package looks like? Like, is is a goaltending prospect going back to Anaheim? Is Kachekov going back to Anaheim? Is Akira Schmidt going back to Anaheim? Um. And then is it more like, is it a first round pick? Is it a second round pick? No, I think like at this point, Anaheim's just gonna take what they can get at John Gibson, just because it's hard to demand a lot when he hasn't had good stats for so long. Um, even if he, I do think he is a good goaltender still, and I think he has the ability to be like a top 12 goaltender in the NHL on a good team. Um, he hasn't had a save percentage above a 907 since 2018, 2019. Um, so it's hard to demand like a top pick or something for him. I don't think Anaheim wants a goaltending prospect back either because they already have Lucas Dostal, who they want him to be the future. They are, and they've also got Calais Klang too, the other goalie prospect. Yeah. So there's just no need for them to really get a goalie prospect back. I think they just like take what they can get, get his money off the books maybe. Um, and you know, move on. Like I think John Gibson has run his course in Anaheim uh, and just 
let Lucas Dostal take full possession of the starting job, which honestly I thought he was going to do that at the start of the season because he was outplaying Gibson. Um, he's been kind of trash the last little bit, but Anaheim in general has been trash. Yeah, so. it's also hard to like maintain that stretch, right? For yeah, you know, you can't keep that pace forever. Um, so other goalies, right? We talked a little bit about Devin Levi getting sent down to the AHL. Um, he got called back up. Um, with UPL is out, right? With an injury. Yeah, and, yeah, I had um, illness. Oh, illness, illness. He's um, He's like me right now. Yeah, <laughs> and um, so. We got, uh, he played last night in Boston. The Sabres won three to one. He made yeah. uh, 29 saves. And yeah. I read an article about how he won the bean pot there, which is, you know what the bean pot is, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, for those that don't know, it is a tournament in uh, Boston that they do with all the Boston schools up there. It's BCBU, uh, Northeastern, and um, what's the fourth school? Why am I blanking? Harvard. Um, Harvard's the fourth school. And, um, yeah, so uh, he won the bean pot. They played the final in the TD Garden. And um, so that was his first time back there. And I like Devin Levi a lot, but if I'm being honest, Panos, like, there's a lot of, like, you mentioned this a little bit when we talked about him last time. It's like, how does a goalie go from a seventh-round pick like playing in the CCHL for the Carlton Place Canadians and to playing in the NHL three years later, right? Like that's kind of yeah. a that's kind of a rapid rise. And I think with Devin Levi, like I think his his numbers were insane in college. Like you have to admit, like they they were out of this world and some of the best that we've ever seen, honestly, in college hockey. But there are a lot of really good save percentages in college hockey. On the men's yeah. and women's side, like that's it, what I that's what I brought up back then when we were saying that. Yeah, and I think with Levi, like he's a really good person. You can tell, like he's done some interviews. He was really talked about when he signed his deal, and um, he he's a really personable guy. And um, I think a lot of the times, like narrative has a lot to do with it, right? Like I'm reading this article about him playing in the bean pot and like as you should write articles about that but I think like maybe it's even like the media's fault a bit for putting too much pressure on this kid by like I don't know because he's so personable that like people want to go to him for an interview to write something about or have him on spit and chiclets or you know things like that and like you know he went on spit and chiclets and then got sent down to the to the AHL right after and that's not that's not why obviously but um it's because they wanted him to go down there. And arguably, like, he only played two games in the AHL. Um, and he stopped 70 yeah, of, he stopped 70 yeah. of 76 shots. And, um, yeah. like, I think they wanted him to be down there longer. You know what I mean? Like, don't you think? Yeah, yeah I mean, and also, like, I'm looking at his stats right now in the NHL uh, this season. He's played 10 games this season. Seven of his, of his 10 games have been in the 800s for save percentage. Two have been in the 900s and one has been in the 700s, you know. That's not what you want from your from your goalie. So they definitely did want him in the AHL. I mean, you can't complain about the game he just had, especially against Boston. Uh, but I don't think I don't think this means he's gonna be staying in the NHL like long term. No. You think just because 
look at his numbers throughout the season. Like, do you think this 967 is going to continue coming in? This 900, I just told you seven of his 10 games this season have been in the 800s. So I'm just checking Buffalo's next couple of games because do you think he gets, so they play at home against the Canadians on Saturday. Um, do you think he gets at least that start? And, you know, they play Arizona also comes to Buffalo on Monday. So, um, like, do you think he gets either of those games, both those games? He could. He could. It's just, like, I don't think that also means that um, it's an easy win for him either, you know? Like, even if they do give him those games, because Arizona and, and Montreal are both at least got some offensive guys on their team. Like, But those are both sc- winnable games for the Sabres, too. Yeah. I, I, I could see it happening. It depends also on Uko Pekalukanen's health because I still think once he's healthy, he's the starter, right? Uh, he's earned it at, at least uh, with a 907 compared to Levi's 886 and Eric Comrie has like a 861. Yeah, wow. So I feel like if Lukanen is healthy, it's his crease still. Uh, we'll be right back again. Okay, we're back on set, and Alex Ovechkin is the 16th player to crack the 1,500-point barrier, Panos, um, with an assist last night against the Dallas Stars in a fourth or a 5-4 shootout loss to the to the Stars, like I said. Um, they or Ovechkin is now uh, 29 points behind Sidney Crosby for 15th. He is, as you pointed out, the first Russian to crack this list. Uh, what else did you have? The second non-Canadian? Yeah, second non-Canadian. Um, do you have a few words? Maybe on Alex Ovechkin, maybe on the chase that they're on. Um, Sidney Crosby's at five twenty or 15-29 as far as points. That's uh, two behind Paul Coffey, uh, four behind Mark Recchi, and only uh, 10 behind Joe Thornton. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we're seeing players in the modern day era get to 1500 points is cool um i'm looking right now at the list trying to see where they could retire at crosby you said it's 15 uh 29 and ov's at 1500 i think like i think crosby and ov are playing how many more seasons do you think realistically three four Uh, do you think they retire at the same time oh it's it's weird because like they're at that age now where it's like you know they could retire Ovi's got his contract but Crosby is done in 2025 his contract I think right is it 2025 I I could look it up but um I could see him signing one more deal I think he yeah I think it is 2025 um but um I could see Sid one going longer than Ovechkin um so I don't Think like I think Ovi wants to play at least a season back home, maybe two. Um, so I don't. Sorry, I think, like just... I think Crosby could get to the top four of the points all time because I just look now. Gordy Howe is fourth all time in points with eighteen fifty. Um, so Crosby trails him by I don't know the math. I just did the math already on my calculator, so I forget. But he trails him by a certain amount, and to get to where Gordy Howe is. He would have to average 80 points a game for the next four seasons. 
And Crosby has never had a season under point per game in his career. So it's definitely possible for him to to get to the top four at least in points. I think so too. I mean, if he played another so he he is a UFA July first, twenty twenty five. Um and I could see him signing another year deal, two year deal even. Um at that point, maybe even like an extension earlier in that season, right? Because he'll be eligible this July first coming up in twenty twenty four. And um, I could see it happening. Um, I wouldn't even, like, I think it's kind of a stretch, but, like, is second place a stretch? So how many, are we saying he's going to play four seasons? Or are we going to say he's going to play five seasons? Uh, I mean, let's say five, if he were to play five. Okay, if he played, he's 392 points away from second place all time in points. And if he played five seasons, he would need to average 78 points a season. That's kind That's of doable. doable. That is very doable for Sidney Crosby. And, and also, that doesn't even take into a, uh, account the point, the games he has remaining this season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he could have, he's going to probably have, what, 50 more points this season, at least. So then you take 50 points away from however many more he needs, and that's very doable. Yeah. So I hope he does it, man. I think, I honestly think he would have easily been at 2,000 points if he didn't have all those injuries. I was just going to say, I was just going to yeah. say, imagine if we didn't, like, if he didn't have those injuries, what we would be talking about. And yeah, like, he would have been the second NHL player to clear 2,000 points easily. And, yeah. um, and now it's, it's going to be McDavid who does that um, now, but it just sucks to see, like, that could have been Crosby. Yeah, so uh, congrats to Alex Ovechkin on 1,500 points. The, the... <laughs> we, turned it, we turned an Ovi talk into a Crosby talk really quick. But... Yeah, I mean, it, so I guess if we want to spend a minute on Alex Ovechkin, um, he... Like, most of his points are goals, obviously, um, as he is second and chasing Gretzky. Uh, that pace has obviously slowed a little bit this season as he only has five goals, uh, two of which are empty netters, to my knowledge. Um, and I think Ovechkin will catch up. I don't know. Like, he, he is getting more assists, right? I think it's just because he's around the play still a lot. And, you know, he. I will say he's been unlucky, you know, like a lot of – a lot of pucks that normally would have hit the back of the net for him are just not right now. And, so, like, I, I do attribute part of that to luck. I don't have the shooting percentage statistics right in front of my face right now. But I would argue that his shooting percentage is down from where it normally has been over the course of his career. So, um, yeah, I think I think the goals will get there. I don't know if he hits – like, do you think he hits 30? You know, I don't think he hits 40. But um, I don't even think he'll hit 30 the way he's playing, you know. He's he's looked like not him, like himself at least, and Capitals fans get like offended when you say they like they get mad that you're saying he hasn't looked like himself. But it's he has five goals in twenty three games. Does that look like Alex Ovechkin to you? It doesn't look like him to me. No, I agree. I agree. It's uh, it's looking a lot like the season uh, where he struggled um in 2016-17, where he had like thirty goals, thirty three goals in that entire season. That was a down year for him. Was and that when Dale looking- Hunter was coach? I think so. Uh, I don't know. I think that was the year that was that the year Jimmy Ben led the league in points. No, it was a few years after. Oh no, he had no, yeah, no, it was a few years after. Yeah, that wasn't the year. That was sixteen seventeen that Ovi did that. Hmm. But yeah, it's just looking like he's struggling a lot, um, and I don't know why Capitals fans get they get mad at me for pointing out that he was struggling like. 
He has two. He has three goals while the goalie's in net. I don't even know if he has an even strength goal this season yet. That I don't know. I I would assume he does, but uh, <laughs> I would I wouldn't be so sure to assume, man. I don't know. I'm looking it up right now. Because <laughs> when I was looking at it, uh, when he had three goals, he hadn't had a he hadn't had a even strength goal yet at that point. Is an even strength goal a like three on three? An even strength goal is a five on five goal. Yeah. Okay. So or it's an, or three on three if it's an overtime, you know what I mean? Or four yeah. on four. Or just like if it's like um, there has like, to be the same amount. So of he only on has it. one power play goal okay. this season, Ovechkin, okay. which might be part of the problem. Even too, you know, that he's not yeah. cooking on the power play like he usually so was. He has, so he has four even strength goals, one power play goal, but two of those even strength goals are empty netters. Yeah. So he has two even strength goals with the goalie in net. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Look, I, I think he'll bounce back. I'd like to see him hit 30 goals this year. We'll see if it actually happens. Um, the next up on the list, too, among active players on the points list, do you know? It's Evgeny Malkin at uh, 1,250. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he is, when I was looking, I think he's actually the second Russian all-time in points, yeah? Uh, you're making me peruse this list quite a bit. <laughs> this is great podcasting. Yeah, he is the next uh, He is the next Russian on the list, too. Yeah, he's underrated all time, honestly. Like people get mad when you say he's in the race for one of the best Russians all time, but that was that was the all time snub of of everything when the NHL oh. did their hundred best players of all time and left Evgeny Malkin off the list. Yeah, was... Especially when they had like guys from the thirties. Like I respect all of history of the sport, but the guys from the thirties were literal hockey was their part time job. Babe died they should in not be... New Zealand yeah. and yeah, like those guys should not be in the top 100 players of all time over guys like Malkin. I mean, the same argument's going to be made for like modern day NFL football, where it's such a different game to compare these. And you can make the same argument with basketball too, where it's like even MJ and LeBron, like the games they were playing were so different in style, but it's overall the same game where. Yes, they're both great and they're great at their respective things, but it's a different game at the end of the day. There's different nuances, there's different strategies at that time. Like so when you have these older dudes that are playing like 60 years ago, yeah, they they could have been great. It's 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 awesome to see them and they do deserve the recognition that they they they've gotten, but at the same time, I think there needs to be some sort of balance or some sort of way to like measure the sport over like baseball did that with like um war plus and like the advanced statistics that have come out more recently to kind of get a better picture on where the game w- could be compared to like 150 years ago so yeah something I mean, like there that are, would be cool. there are like some stat comps in hockey where they'll be like oh like this point total this year is equivalent to this point total in this year. Yeah. Right. Okay. There Listen, is, it's not, the same. it's not yeah. the same. It's not because the they go off of like, they go off of like the, what the actual production was in those years. You know, they don't go off of the fact that the goalies were wearing paper clips as pods, you know, and no, no masks. And, and like the sport was completely, like, like I said, those guys were literally playing hockey for fun in the NHL. They would get like a couple, couple dollars as their salary. Like that's not of getting Malkin. 
Yeah, my cutoff for the NHL as far as like really evaluating these stats is like around 1970. Not to say that anything happened, you know, before then doesn't matter, but yeah. you know, to really start taking I'll give I'll give the exception to like I'll give some. You have to be very good for that to be an exception. Like Gordy Howe gets an ex- an exception. Yeah, but Gordy Howe played until even like the 80s. Well, his last NHL season was 1970. Oh, it was? Other than the Hartford Whalers year, he played one year in the 80s. But before that, he played from the 40s to the 70s, to 1970. Yeah, okay. All right. That's why I'm saying, like, he would be one of the rare exceptions for me of that rule just because of he was very good. Yeah, I mean, then there's a lot of guys, too, right? I mean, Gordie Howe was Gordie Howe, too. Like, Joe Malone was on the top 100, right? Yeah. And like he put up good numbers, but he played 1915, man. 1915, <laughs> Joe Malone. In, he would he literally played in the first season of the National Hockey League. Like, how are you going to put him in the top 100? <laughs> it's just so funny to me looking at this. Yeah, they didn't even track assists back then. That for half of the the years that he was in the league, bro. Yeah, he had. In one season, he had 44 goals, zero assists in 20 games because they didn't track assists. <laughs> Is there anything else for today, boys? Yeah, I mean, um, Pan- like Panos or Raven, do you guys care about uh, Shohei Otani at all? Yes. I uh, don't care because I don't like baseball, but I am rooting against him going to the Blue Jays because all my friends are Blue Jays fans, so I don't want him to go to the blue jays oh, dude. That... interesting take that is such an interesting i'm i'm all in on the show hate of the blue jays train I... i'm a i'm a blue jays guy so i'm offended by that um well i'm an honorary dodgers fan i don't care about baseball but i am a dodgers fan so i hope he goes to the dodgers honestly no way dude that is such like a oh dude that's... that is such a bad take the dodgers we got no. Because then it's just Dodgers-Yankees again every year. Good. Let's go Dodgers. No, I don't want the Dodgers versus the Yankees. Let the small teams win. Let a Rangers <laughs> win every once in a while, even though they just won. But, you know, I'm just waiting for the Brewers to get back to the World Series. It's been 41 years. So I um, I, I would like Shohei Otani to go to the Blue Jays. I um. This is where Raven and I were talking a little bit earlier, but this has to be like the biggest free agency decision since LeBron James, right? Because like soccer, there's no real like there is kind of free agency in soccer, but it's different, right? Like guys are like kind of sold and transferred. Like the idea and the concept of it is just like different from how we think I guess of it. Like, I guess Messi was also kind of big because he was a free agent. He wasn't like a transfer. Yeah. But, but it still is like even I then. Think even then, it was like between more of like what league he was going to go to because it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't ever going to be like, oh, he's going to LA Galaxy. No, it was. It was. This is like Miami Connor McDavid went to free agency, basically. Yeah. Like if Connor McDavid was going to free agency and he was deciding between the New York Rangers and the Nashville Predators or something like that, like it was basically is what it is. A little bit. A little bit, but um, I think it's cool for the Blue Jays that, like, Toronto is a non-traditional baseball market, so the fact that they're, like, I think it is, like, between them and the Dodgers right now for Shohei, and I think he's going to make a decision this weekend. And I saw uh, it today. I don't know if it's true. Is that is that true that it's happening I, I today? Know. 
I have no idea. I heard it was going to happen at least by the weekend. You know, like at some point this weekend, the decision was going to be made. So, you know, and I've also heard that, like, if the Blue Jays are really in consideration like that against a team like the Dodgers, like, the money has to be comparable, if not, like, it has to be more, right? Like, the Blue Jays have to be offering more than the Dodgers are offering, which for someone like Shohei Otani, is it, like, $800 million that the Blue Jays have on the table? Is it a billion dollars? Like, is it genuinely? It could be. Like, everybody's afraid to use the B word, right? But uh, it could genuinely be a billion-dollar offer that the Blue Jays have on the table for Shohei Otani. It would have to be for, like, seven, eight years then. I mean, but... Because, like, I mean, what he wants is three, four, five years, 500 million. So if you want to pay him that extra much, he'll take it. He wants to go to go the Austin Matthews route. Probably. It also, it also would be cool. The amount of Japanese fans that it would bring in for the blue Jays too, just because basically everyone who lives in Japan and is from Japan is going to cheer for wherever he goes to. Yeah. You know, that's it's the, the same thing with me. Oh. Like for for Giannis in the NBA, like if he left Milwaukee, I would be going to whatever team he was going to. I wouldn't. I wouldn't stay as a Milwaukee Bucks fan. So that's the thing. It'd be so big for the Blue Jays financially and just fan fan base wise to bring in a guy like him. It's also really big for the reporter, the Japanese reporters doing this because it's getting a lot of that. Like because Shohei's basically kept everything under secret. He's been super secretive. He hasn't been saying like what team he's like favoriting towards or even just like if he gets a contact from them like he's basically that's been been like a thing he wants like and that's, he want he asked for privacy which is, around which is that. super smart because it gives him the power it doesn't give him, like the media or the teams to be like you know we put 10 percent more than this other team for one year like less like you know like now it becomes it really is the best offer. Who has the best offer and who has the most to give to Otani? So, well, here's me. Uh, hopefully, Shohei's listening to this. So, um, you know, uh, no, I know, I know he's not, but you never know. Maybe he is. Um, if he is, let, let's get you to Toronto, buddy. Um, they'll treat you nice. That, and like we were saying, like Canada can market you the whole country to be your fan too. Like that's that's the only, it's like the Raptors, right? Like there's only one team in that country so um like you you get the whole fan base except for panos apparently but <laughs> so that, that's don't cool like i'm sure if i cared about baseball i would be a blue jays fan i just don't care if you just start watching this guy play and see the gravitational just effect in the game that he's having because it is true when people are saying like comparing him to babe ruth he is the first player he's better be doing, than babe ruth bro. like he is doing stuff that hasn't been seen in a hundred years. Yeah. So it is like as a fan of baseball before, it is just exciting to have this like Thunder Kid just be here. And like now there's another Japanese prospect coming out of um the Japanese league. Oh yeah, what's that kid's name? Uh, it starts with an R, I believe. It's like Rotomoto. He Sorry, was court, he was courtside at the Lakers game. He like this kid's gonna be the next really good pitcher, I think. I think he'll probably come in from Japan in like a year or two. But Yamamoto, yeah, Yamamoto, okay. I think. But I just searched up, so that's what. Oh, you, oh, you looked him up. He's insane. 
and then there's another like hitter who's going to be like the next paper or uh, next big poppy. So it's going to be really exciting for baseball in the next few years, just because there's so much young talent coming in and a lot of the statistics and like training that they're doing is really to help prevent injuries and like extend these guys careers a little bit longer, which is really nice to see because that was a huge issue issue for pitchers. And it's what's wrong with Shohei right now where he can hit fine, but he can't pitch at the moment. He's still injured with his arm and that's going to take time into probably next season before where he can really pitch again. So for right now, didn't, didn't these, they say like 2025 is like when he's going to be able to pitch. Probably. Again? That's what I heard. So it's the thing too, where like that takes a massive dip out, out of his contract. But when he comes back, you already know he's going to be absolutely insane. They just have to be smart when, and how they play him. Yeah. Um, We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, like I said, I'm going to put a little money on the Blue Jays getting him. Um, they, he said he wanted secrecy, and the, the Dodgers manager, their coach, um, I don't know why they call coaches managers in baseball. I think it's because they don't really do a whole lot of coaching. Um, but they um, he just they just more like manage lineups, right? So um, They coach, too, but there's other coaches. Like you have your first base and third base coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. So, But the, the Dodgers manager was like saying, oh, we met with Shohei, and it went great, and all this and that, and the the general manager was like so embarrassed that his his manager said something he was like gosh like he knew that Shohei had really want and the Blue Jays have been super tight lipped and so I we'll see I watch him just like resign with the Angels now after oh all God this. that would be the biggest <laughs> biggest just L for baseball fans around the world just to see two wasted talents go to that team and absolutely make nothing of it is outraging yeah that, that that's a whole confusing situation i don't know that we see we yeah we like don't that. need to get into that that's yeah, like yeah, a we whole don't need to get into mike trout itself. yeah mike trout's talent being wasted but um yeah i don't know that we've really seen anything like this too with like the the hockey free agency right um i don't there hasn't really been a player of that caliber that's honestly the biggest free agent in nhl history was what Tavares? probably and like it would have been Matthews, but he signed. That, that's why I said it's basically like if Connor McDavid went to free agency, um, when he's eligible in a few years. Because like Shohei Otani is obviously way better than John Tavares, so it's not even a comparable. No. So, <laughs> so, um, we'll we'll wrap up just a just a couple quick things. The uh, the NHL announced that the draft is going to be in Las Vegas at the the Sphere. Owned by uh, the guy who owns the Knicks, James Dolan, and um, the Rangers. So, uh, thoughts on the Sphere draft, Panos? I think it's cool. I just think it's depressing that it's the last draft happening. That's before they decentralize the draft, and they're not going to have like the GMs and all the staff in one place. It's going to become more like the NBA. Yeah, I agree. So that's that's kind of depressing. I like the whole feel of the actual draft in the NHL. I hope it doesn't become where they just call in um, the player before they get picked and they're like, yeah, we're drafting you, by the way, because I like the actual genuine reactions that the players have. That's one thing I don't like about the NFL draft and the NBA draft is they know beforehand 
Yeah, but then you get the clips of like CD Lamb pulling out his phone out of his girlfriend's hand. Like you wouldn't get <laughs> moments like that where That's true. there's just goofy, random, funny stuff that can happen. <laughs> yeah, the NHL draft is always unique, I would say, in that like they make deals on the floor. You know, yeah. like there there are people walking up to people and, you know, you get the famous picture of Kyle Dubas with like the the phone and then he pulls up the other phone <laughs> to his ear and he's talking into both phones and listening at the same. I don't know. Like you get stuff like that and it's really it's genuine and it's exciting. And um, I know a lot of teams don't like it. Right. Because they feel like they can't get business done because everybody's so on top of each other, right? That it and also just because it wastes a bunch of their team's funding too, is because they have to send all their guys out there. We kind of forget just because the NHL, like they still do care about those things of money and trips and all that stuff. So it costs a lot of money to get everyone out there. I think that's one of the reasons that they made it decentralized after this year. Plus like free agencies, like the next day, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is plus that, the other thing like everybody we know likes to like everybody that likes to go to the draft has a lot of fun at the draft you know what i mean so it's a bit of a you know everybody's out late always and having fun like hanging out with each other it's kind of like the culmination of the hockey season a little bit um so everybody kind of like gets together and lets loose a little bit and it can be kind of a quick turnaround for everybody so um i think the sphere is going to be really cool i think the NHL, like, we give the NHL a lot of grief, I feel like, as hockey fans, um, just as, like, and even people in hockey, they um, just, like, we say the NHL is never really at the forefront of things, but, you know, they did go to Vegas first, they did go to Seattle first, they do have a lot of ideas that are uh, being copied by other leagues and teams, um, even though the NHL beat, or the the NHL was beat by the NBA for the in-season tournament. Um but I think the Sphere is cool. I think a lot of other leagues were actually kind of surprised and maybe even a little envious that the NHL got to the Sphere first. Um, like I, th- I, I do genuinely think the NBA wanted to host something there, and the NHL beat them to it. So, you know, I, I, don't be surprised if the NBA does something there in the next little while. Um, Honestly, I think they might do the trophy ceremony at the Sphere for the in-season tournament. Because oh. the last two games are in Vegas. Like uh, the Pacers-Bucks game yesterday was in Vegas. Yeah, they yeah. played it at T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. So all, are th- all the games for the... The last four, the semifinals and the finals are in Vegas, yeah. That's cool. W- was the Sphere built when you went to Vegas this year, final? Oh, literally they finished it right after I left. Because I remember leaving and then like two weeks later seeing... Big sphere built in Vegas. And I was like, what? I did not see that. That's pretty funny. Um, so we'll wrap up with uh, one NHL thought, one non-NHL thought. Uh, last NHL thought I had was um, Philip Broberg sent down to the American Hockey League. Um, the Oilers, um, I don't know. There was some miscommunication, I guess, as far as his agent saying that they had permission to look around and like that he had requested a trade and um, the Oilers kind of being like, they don't have permission. We're not doing that. We're not uh, shopping Broberg. And then they sent him down to the minors. Is there, do you think there's market at all out there for this kid? And um, I think he's, I think he's either staying in Edmonton until it gets to the point where he's an RFA and they just don't qualify him. Uh, Like we've seen with some other 
uh, players in the past, or I think they just trade him for basically whatever they could get now, which isn't a lot. He hasn't shown anything at the NHL level to be worth something. Agreed. No, I know. I, um, I Edmonton has made this like deal. Like this happens with players, but like um, he um, he's a high pick, right? But a lot of guys know like. People in the AHL that are coaching and scouting and doing all that, like if they've seen him play and if they know he like if they're not playing him in Edmonton, like they know, like they tend to, like they know when a guy can't make it. You know what I mean? Like there's there's kind of like it's not always like a secret. You know what I'm saying? Like if a guy isn't keeping pace, like it's like they know it, dude. Like they everybody knows it. So um, I think he needs to just go to the minors and play a lot, and maybe eventually that'll um, pick up some traction for him if he wants to get moved. And maybe, like, Edmonton needs help, so, but I don't think they're going to get any of that help that they need from trading someone like that. I think their first round pick's going to have to be in play. Um, yeah, I, if I'm Edmonton and I'm Ken Holland, I'm making the ballsy play of trading your unprotected first round pick this year for someone who can help you now like i don't i'm not protecting that lottery pick or nothing like you go all in or you if you want to hold on to that pick and you know it's not going to help edmonton now or even when Connor mcdavid's in edmonton because he's a free agent in 2026 or seven six and dry saddle is also a free agent as well in one of those years 25 yeah oh yeah so that like a first round pick, even if it's a lotto pick, is not helping you if you're Edmonton right now. So I would trade that pick unprotected to get you someone and roll the dice, you know. If you go the unprotected value has to make whatever return you're getting a bit sweeter, right? Because there is that yeah. risk of like you could be getting a top three pick. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you do you have anything like crazy that you would pull out? Like, you know, what is that like deal that that's out there? Um, well, I don't know what the deal is exactly because Edmonton just has holes all over their lineup. Yeah. One of the other things too, that I was, I was thinking of a while ago is like, they could also use that first round pick in a trade to still get somebody, but also get rid of Jack Campbell's contract at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, I made a mock trade a while ago that I was expecting to happen. I think it was, uh, it was before the whole Corey Perry incident, which I'm not going to get into, but he was part of that deal. It was like a Chicago Edmonton deal that I was saying that would include Edmonton's first round pick. Corey Perry would have been going back to Edmonton. Obviously that's not happening now, but like also uh, Peter Morazic, who we were talking about earlier was going to be a piece. And then um, I think I had someone else from Chicago, one of their topper guys, um, you know, because in reality that doesn't seem like a lot for a first round pick, but a top 20 goaltender in this season in that deal uh, Corey Perry, who was a very solid winger before getting released. And then it was another one of their top guys. I can't remember who I put. That's a pretty good return for a first round pick, you know? Yeah. Like a, like a mid to mid to late first round pick realistically is what it would be. You hope you better hope. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a top 10 pick, you lose that trade. Yeah. But if it's like a 17th overall pick, that's fair value. So something around those lines of any team that they traded to is what I would be looking for if I'm Edmonton. Rather than just one guy, I would get like three guys that can fill your lineup better. Fair enough. We'll uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, Edmonton has won five games in a row, I think. Um, yeah. I'm going to 
check and see who they take on earlier before the last topic I want to bring up. Uh, they play in Minnesota today. They do? Yeah. Oh, they do. They play against Minnesota today, so two teams with new coaches. Uh, Minnesota just suffered their first defeat under John, John Hines, 2-0 to the Vancouver Canucks on Thursday night. Uh, the Oilers do not play again this weekend. Oh, yeah, they play the Devils on Sunday. At, um, so we'll see uh, where that goes. Um, those are two big games for Edmonton. Um, that uh, This is kind of like make or break. You know, we talked about it earlier. We've talked about it enough, but, like, you know, you got to go on a run of, like, six, seven games in a row, like seven out of eight, eight out, eight out of ten, you know what I mean? Same thing with, like, a team like Ottawa. Like, if you genuinely want to get back into it, like, you got to go on, like, a very, very serious run. All right, so the last thing I want to bring up, I know you're working on your uh, league rankings with um, Hockey Worldwide, and you guys are coming up with that together a little bit. Um, so... This uh, this guy on Instagram and TikTok, I guess I don't really I'm not on TikTok personally, but I see the reels on Instagram sometimes. And uh, this guy, his his handle is the other Babs, and uh, he do, he does these videos. So I was just looking, and he brought up the idea, and I wanted to run it by you and see what you think of a uh, pro hockey league in Canada, like just like the, um maybe the equivalent of like the ECHL level to like an FP to an SPHL level. Um, there exists the LNAH obviously in Quebec that we know about. Um, but other than that, there's no like domestic Canadian hockey league, which I guess is a little surprising, but not so, I guess, just because there is so much hockey in Canada, right? You have the NHL, you have a couple of AHL teams. Um, how many AHL teams? Like five? Seven, I don't know, something like that. Oh um, I think every NHL teams, but but Edmonton and Vancouver um, has their uh, AHL team in Canada. So, uh, what do you do? You have it like? What do you think? Do you think this could work? Do you think it's a like a good idea? He he mentioned like trying to keep a lot of Canadian players at home. You know. And the fact that there is like a senior hockey culture Canada in Canada too, right? Where guys do still want to play at some sort of level. Senior hockey is obviously very different, right? Like some guys pay to play. Some guys are paid to play. Some guys will just like show up for a game or a weekend and play. And, you know, sometimes there will be money exchange. Sometimes there won't be. Um, so, but this would be like, I guess, a bit more structured, um, what do you think of a double A pro hockey circuit in Canada? I just like obviously for those leagues to run, you need um, it to be profitable at some way though, and I just don't think any of those would be profitable because nobody's really trying to watch that consistently. Uh, but there are, and like a lot of those leagues already exist. Like there's one even in, I don't know in the rest of the provinces, but I know one in Saskatchewan. Uh, exists because do you know Jaden Halbgawaks? I do. I do remember the he name for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, and he actually signed to play in the Saskatchewan Men's League. Coming back from Sweden, he played three games, put up eight points, and then he played. He signed back to go back in Sweden now. But he like those leagues do exist. Um, but I just I don't think that people really care about them. If I'm being honest. 
No, I hear you. I hear you. I uh, This guy was making the argument that he feels like th these arenas would sell out. Like if you pick the markets correctly and you uh, like had like a, like, I don't know, man, you had like a two, 3,000 seat arena, you know, that you would do good numbers in, in a venue like that. But bro, everyone in Canada, like our thing is the OHL, WHL and uh and uh, Q, and then also even the BCHL and the AJHL, like those are, junior hockey is more of what sells in Canada because whatever city they play in, like you relate to those teams. It's more exciting and, the product too. Yeah, and even those teams don't sell out their games. Like Mississauga's got twenty three hundred fans at their games, and that's a pretty big hockey area in the GTA. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think I don't think that's selling out to watch. 30-year-old guys play hockey in Saskatchewan or or Alberta or Ontario or whatever. I don't think that's selling out. I think that's more of like a beer league, like a higher-level beer league atmosphere. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. I I, I um I, I wasn't sitting here vouching for it. I just was like <laughs> – I, I saw this guy's take and I was like, you know, that is a pretty interesting idea. And, you know, we, we do talk about all these countries that – we cover and some of the ones we're working with and working alongside. Right. And um, the difference with those countries is like those leagues are the highest level of hockey in those countries. So it's fun for those people to watch because for them, it's like the best level hockey in their country. No one wants to go watch 30 year old former triple a guys play in a Saskatchewan league. You know what I mean? Do you because feel the same way about like, do you feel the same way about like the CEBL and the, like the Canadian oh, yeah. Pro Soccer League, what is? It? I don't remember what it's called. No, bro, we have a pro. We I don't know if it's considered pro or semi-pro. We have a team in this Ontario league in soccer. Uh, for soccer, nobody watches it ever. And same with basketball, we have a team in the second division Canadian Basketball League. Nobody watches it. Like they have a their front row seat is a couch. Like you can buy tickets to sit on the couch. It's called, and you just go sit on the couch, and that's like the specialty <laughs> ticket of the of the of the day for the game nobody watches that stuff you know did you see this this might be just like something that i paid attention to just like knowing some weird niches of the hockey world but like Emer former nhler emerson edom uh owned or may still own a yeah junior team I, I, i've talked to emerson edom before he's a nice guy so yeah i know he owns the long beach shredders uh, yeah, yeah. They had a, a hot tub that they brought to games and were like selling that you could like sit in for a little while. I think they did it for like a game or two and it was like, oh, come party in the hot tub. And I think things in the hot tub got a little too rowdy. And then they had to be like, we're not using the hot tub anymore. <laughs> yeah, like that stuff. I get like they're trying to make people come in. It's a business. You want to do stuff different. That stuff's just a little odd to me. Like my brother went to one of those games and he said it was dead. Like nobody goes to those games. But to be so. fair, we're talking like second division. Like I think the CEBL, like I don't, I don't know. You haven't been to a CEBL game, but might be a little bit more. Just no one cares, man. I would say maybe Toronto because like they have some bigger teams, but even them, they have the Raptors still. So they don't really care about the CEBL. Like I, I think Ottawa has a CEBL team too, no? Yeah, I think so. I lived there. I never heard a single person talk about the Ottawa Blackjacks. Yeah. Blackjacks. I lived in Ottawa and never heard anyone talk about the Ottawa Blackjacks in my life. I mean, we knew uh, everybody knew Jay Cole was playing for the Scarborough Shooting Stars. Yeah, that's like the and that's the only reason anybody knows what the Scarborough Shooting Stars <laughs> is. Though. 
you know, like they wouldn't know if J. Cole didn't sign there. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I just I, I thought it was an interesting idea with the the Canadian men's hockey, right? And uh, you know, we got I mean, this. I'm down for it. I love all hockey we can get is good. I'm just saying it probably wouldn't be profitable, and they're probably like. I think my beer league would have probably around the same amount of fans that are going to those games as uh, that type of league. <laughs> well, how, pro- I mean, I don't know that like most like teams in the FPHL or the SPHL are, uh, you know, maybe turning the biggest profit, let's say. No, they're not. But also the FPHL, those teams at least get some fans because those are like the only places again, that you can watch live hockey in those areas. If you're in Canada, it's different because hockey's everywhere. Like, even me, I have five hockey rinks in a 20-minute radius of me. Yeah. So it's, it's people can go watch hockey anywhere. They're not as desperate to go, whereas, like, people who are in those FPHL markets, if they want to watch any sort of high-level hockey, they have to go there because even the travel teams there probably aren't good. Yeah, fair enough. All right, we'll uh, we'll wrap there for the week. Uh, we'll be back Monday morning. Uh, we got three. Keep in mind, we got three games on tap uh, tonight. Twelve on Saturday, eight on Sunday. Panos, you're gonna have a busy Sunday, and um, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll catch you after a hopefully good week of hockey. Good weekend of hockey. Yeah, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you're listening. We are now on Apple Podcasts now, too. Oh, so yeah, shout out that. Out we are now on Apple Podcasts. That was a huge issue that we finally figured out this week. So Yeah, that was a pain in the ass, to be honest with you. But check out all the other shows on the Aletheia Network. We should have three episodes. An episode of every show should be coming out on Monday. I know Oliver and I will be back for an F1 pod. The three of us will be back for Panos's show, and then... I believe Brendan, myself, and Zach will be also there for Zach's show as well. But, yeah, hope everyone has a great rest of the day. See you Monday.